1: Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the Battlefield podcast. My name's Scott Gray and today we're joined by an ex-Rangers manager. He joined the club in June 2015, winning the Scottish Championship and the Petrofac Cup. He managed 82 games for Rangers, winning 54 of them, drawing 15 and losing 13. His name is Mark Robertson. Mark, welcome to the podcast.
2: Scott, good morning, how are you?
1: Not bad, yourself?
2: Yeah, good, thank you. Good, very good.
1: Good, good. Mark, just prior to you joining Rangers... When did you decide that you believe in Brentford?
2: It was, as you know, well documented now, Scott. It was probably uh, in the February period um, when I found out, you know, as I say, I got on great with the, the Brentford owner now. Huge respect for him. But he wanted to bring in a number of players in the January window. We were sitting in the top two or three in the championship going really well for the Premier League. And I felt it was the wrong time. And at the end of the day, Scott, they're the owners. They write the checks and pay the bills. So you have to respect that. So it was. Just, he asked me to stay on, which I did. And unfortunately, we lost out in the Premier League playoffs to Middlesbrough. But um, as I say, I was going. It was a day or the day before the Watford game. So sometime before the end of the season.
1: Yeah. When did you hear the potential interest from Rangers?
2: I um. I was very lucky, Scott. You know, we right. Brentford came up from League One with Wolves, uh, and then we got to fifth. And we got to the playoffs. So not in an arrogant way, but the CV was good. And um, had, we had a lot of interest, and some really good clubs, some big, big clubs, came in, which was very flattering. And you know, you're always privileged in that position. Um, David Weir is obviously with me, and and David's love for the for Rangers is more than well documented. So um, we had a sniff from Rangers, and he said need to speak to them. And we had two good meetings, Scott, two really good meetings, one in London, uh, one up north. And uh, when when Rangers come calling, and I think I've said before in in a couple of interviews, Scott. I was very lucky to have other offers, big clubs, you know, really big clubs. And I was very lucky and you have to, you, I'm sure you would agree, you have to think, think, think things through and make sure you make the right decision. And my son came in and he played me a YouTube of uh, a Rangers Celtic game and Penny Arcade. And that was it. He said, there's no way you can turn this club down. And that was that's the honest truth. So um, that was it. We had two good meetings and from there it was uh, pretty much full steam ahead.
1: Yeah, so, so, what was the, so that was the actual process of getting a job, was just two meetings um, with, the, with the club, I take obviously manager, director and stuff like that with the club, and then they offered you the job there and then.
2: Yeah, we had good we had long meetings, you know, really good, because whenever you go into an interview, as in, any, in any job, you've got to make sure that you ask the right questions, and you've got to make sure you give the right answers, and they were very thorough in terms of their questioning, you know, good people asked the right questions, their aspirations for the club were very, very clear, and likewise, uh, I asked the right questions, I hope, David, of course, as well. And we knew the financial situation. We knew the player situation. Day one, we had nine players. We were well aware that 13 were, were leaving Scott. So it was no, you know, we had to ask the right questions because if not, it's a recipe for disaster. So meetings went well. Um, I've never been about money. I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but it's about the job. And if you do well, then employers look after you. And it's about making sure it was the right job for myself, David, Frank, et cetera.
1: Uh, call, well, I was speaking to Colin Stewart for the Rangers Youth Development Company, and, and well, I don't think he'd mind me telling that story, but he was saying about how the day you were appointed, um, you, you were at the, the press doing the media duties at uh, Murray Park, or Oaken as it's now known, and you came out of one meeting with, I think it was the Daily Press, and you thought that was it, that you were away. And then somebody called you back and said, no, if you're going to go and meet the Sunday papers then, The TV media, and then were you just taken aback with just the size and the the kind of media interest in Rangers?
2: No, not not taken aback by the size. And take this the right way, Scott. I get really irked when people say you never knew the size of the club. I'm not an idiot. Yeah. Don't don't be don't don't be foolish or you know ignorant yourself to say that. I was well aware of the size of the club. But you have to understand. I mean, even when Brentford were going for the playoffs in the Premier League, you know we we were. Doing really well. We had a really good team. You look at the weather, the likes of Tarkowski and Andre Gray and Hotter and Stuart That da- Where these players are now, mm-hmm. what type of team we had. So we knew that. But the press would be five or ten people, you know, and press would be 12, 15 minutes maximum. Same at Nottingham Forest. When you go to, to Rangers, it's a different proposition. Completely different proposition. As I say, you just get... I wouldn't know in advance what it was. David probably wouldn't wouldn't be aware of it from the playing perspective. So the dailies, the Sundays, the, the TV, the broadcasts, great. And that's part of it. So you come out the first meeting, you get you have a smile, you go back in again, and away you go. And from that moment on, you're fully up to speed with, with what's demanded. But never underestimated the size of the club, never underestimated the media focus, because that's you know, they're, they're, what, they're a football institution, absolutely.
1: That must be hard though, Mark, because you're essentially repeating yourself in each... You know, each each meeting and each interview, technically,
2: you are, and that's when you you see the good journalists and the bad, or the yeah. good from the not so good, shall I say, Scott? Because again, the the good journalists are aware of that situation. And they ask the really good questions, yeah, uh, and ones which might lead to stories or interviews days down, weeks down the line. So there's some really good journalist reporters in Scotland, and there's some uh, definitely not so good put it that way.
1: Well, we're, we're aware of that.
2: Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you are <laughs>
1: uh, were there any doubts about taking the Rangers job given your background and Rangers financial history?
2: No, you've got to give yourself the best chance of success. Um and I've got to be honest, the other clubs probably had far more financial backing in terms of squad budget, etc Um, but it's it's Rangers. And as a kid growing up, you know, I was born in Tottenham, North London and you you grow up and you know, the the big European nights you're just on the radio is the likes of the Red Star but I always think of Red Star Belgrade I don't know why, and those big Real Madrids and and Rangers and the history and tradition of the club—it's an institution, and I was well aware of that. And I don't think any manager in his right mind, as long as there's not too obvious issues, but you don't turn down Glasgow Rangers when they come calling. It's a magnificent club. I've always said, never stopped saying, it's a privilege to manage such a club. Yeah.
1: What was your first uh, thoughts upon seeing the training centre and the stadium and stuff?
2: I oh, boxes. You know, what a stadium! What what a theatre for football! Um, the training ground, great job, I believe. Dick Abakar did a great job in designing it. Um, but you could see, you know, it, there was there was money required, investment required in terms of the quality of training pitches. So the infrastructure was fine, but money was needed. And that, yeah. I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. You could see, you know, some water coming in, some few leaks, and pitches yeah. nowhere near the quality. If you go down to a, a you know any training, I could drive to Tottenham, master Watford in, in five minutes from where I live here, uh, and the quality of pitches. Is far far superior, and that simply comes down to investment, no, yeah. no more than that. So, as I say, that was that was obvious, but the setup, the layout was very very good.
1: Yeah, I think since certainly since Steven Gerrard has come in, the the upgrades that's been done on the stadium and the training ground is frightening. I think, and I think I, you shared your view on that as well. That that really investment had to be made in those areas
2: to bring Rangers back to where we should be. And at the end of the day, Scott, you know, whatever you say, it comes down to investment wherever you work, you know, you can be the best coach, the best manager, you can be the best physio. You need investment. You need backing and financial support, whether that's the obvious one of investment by players and weekly wages, et cetera, whether it's the pitch there at Ibrox, with struggles in terms of light, you know, the ground staff work really hard, but parts of pitch, you saw earlier in the season, how poor yeah. it was. Yep. And you need investment. You need investment. You know, you drive into a, I don't know, a Chelsea training ground, and the pitches are like billiard tables. The mm-hmm. under-9s are playing on billiard tables and we, you know, Rangers, a club of that size and stature, has to make sure it has the very best to attract the players. Because yeah. they only play at Ibox once every ten days, two weeks. You know, they go to the training run every single day and that's their place of work, Scott. And People have to understand the investment is required at the yeah. training centre. Yeah. How hard was it to attract players to the Scottish Championship, did you find? Um, people are attracted by the size of the club. And it's it's a bit of a mixed bag. You know, you can see that uh, in the time there, the only money we spent was on Joe Garner, one point something, 1.15 or something million on Joe Garner, which I think they recouped the bulk of that. Other than that, it was all free transfers and very minimal fees. I think James Tab would be the next at 200,000 and then lots and lots of free transfers. Even later on, Scott, the likes of Nico, um, all free transfers and on wages, a fraction of what, I read about in the press, which is quite farcical. Yeah. But to get players there, they, they want to come because it's a chance to get to play at a magnificent football club and, and a theatre of football behind you in, in iBox. But on the other hand, when they see 50,000 crowds, people have this perception that Rangers is cash rich or the mm-hmm. Scottish clubs are cash rich. And unfortunately, the money down south swamps the money. I, mean, I think, you know, it was two and a bit million to win the SBFL title in year two. And it was one hundred and nine million to come bottom of the Premier League, yeah that type of disparity is the issue've got you know, that 's another conversation for us, but you 've got, got to increase the investment in the Scottish football for the good of the game, so attracting players is difficult because again, you can get players at the end of the career. We could never get a Clint Hill or a Nico Cranshaw you know anywhere near their prime we couldn 't afford them on the wages, so you get them right at the end. something like Clint Hill, what a servant what a pro he is, you know top guy. But he's at the end of his career,
1: yeah. you
2: know, on a, on a very low wage. But he had the privilege of playing for Glasgow Rangers, and he got the services of a very, very talented defender, you know, on the last the last few days of his career, so to speak. So yeah. it was hard to attract players. But the the draw was obviously the size of the club and the stage. The negative was that the agents took him for, you know, sign-on fees and wages, which we just didn't have.
1: Yeah. You brought in a total of 11 players. You, you touched upon yourself that you only had about nine players when you when you actually took over at the club. You brought in, I think, a total of 11 players, including guys like Andy Halliday, James Tavernier, Martin Wagon, and Wes Fotherham, obviously just to name four or five.
0: Yeah. Were you
1: happy completely with the summer activity that, that, that you were allowed to perform?
2: So again, Scott, was I happy with...
1: Were you happy with the summer transfer activity?
2: Yeah, Year one, you mean? Yeah, year, year one, one. We, had, we had nine players. Don't forget the Rob Keenan's who came on the minimal fee from the championship. Danny Wilson, three. T three. Waghorn, 60 grand. Who then went on to for, you know, multi-million pound move and doing great in the championship, Waggy. Yep. So, you know, a lot of players came in with no money being spent. Uh, and that's not said in an arrogant way or an appealing way. That's just a fact. We didn't yep. have the money. Uh, and year two, we never had the transfer fees. And obviously lots of talk about. I read Cranshell on 25 a week. I've never had, read so much, but it was dangerous nonsense he's on a fraction of these wages you know literally were i've tried to say to people when we had the great the, the semi-final winning at celtic which is all credit to the players but you had people like don Holty, and andy h in midfield their combined wage was a fraction of scott brown's wage yeah and i'm trying to say not out that's how well they did as a group you know all credit to them they were magnificent they deserved to win on the day but most times they're going to lose that game because the disparity in wages, Scott, was just too wide.
1: Yeah, and we'll t- we'll touch on that game a wee bit later on. But just just mentioning that game, we absolutely bossed them. Do you know what I mean? So so for the disparity in wages, we absolutely bossed them and rightly deserved. We deserved to win the game in ninety minutes.
2: No, they did do, and and as I said, that's all credit to them. And the, you know the the role of the senior pros in terms of. Lee and, and Kenny were magnificent force. and then the others—the way they adapted. You know, young Don Ball, young Loney, young Geddie coming on, Nicky Clark, Nicky Law. You know, Dean. Look at the players—how well they did. Andy Halliday and, and Hulty going outstanding. To have Rob Keenan, Danny, all over the park, Scott—they stood up in a game yeah. which you could have seen you could have seen um, Leicester individuals really crumble because the pressure was pressure was huge on them. First yeah. Old Firm game, and they all knew what it meant to the blue side of Glasgow and the responsibility they had to, yes, to result, but also deliver a performance that the fans could be proud of. And I'm really pleased for them that they, did, they achieved both.
1: Yeah. We started the season of eight hubs in the Petrified Cup with a 6-2 win. David Weir said to us when we spoke to him, when the draw was made, that you both had to lift the players a wee bit when that, when that draw was made because of experience of some previous that were still at the club and the fact that we, we hadn't done so well the year before. How did you feel as a manager at the start of a new dawn and a new era and so much positivity that we, we maybe had to lift the players a wee bit for that draw?
2: I, I didn't say. it. I think for me it was um, we learned about the players it's early in the season. You know, we you learned about them and you wanted to emphasise, for me, the psychological side of football is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, the, how you. Um, I did a piece for a webinar yesterday for some students. Uh, so Alex came out with, a, you know, you've gone from the demanding culture to the convincing culture. You know, you can't sit there and kick, bark and bite at people now. You have to convince them and, and work with them. And it's such an astute comment from someone, obviously, of his stature. But it, it's true. And the psychological side of it, Scott, you know, you're playing for Rangers. Every time you pulled a blue jersey on, David Weir obviously told me a lot. But I, I did my homework as well. David was fantastic. But you're pulling a blue jersey on. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a shirt recognised around the globe. So never underestimate the privilege. Never underestimate the pressure, the expectation that comes with it. But relish it. Don't crumble under it. And I think I didn't. I didn't feel we had to lift them. David may have had a different. David might have had a different opinion. But you know, we went into the game and they were excited. I and mean, then Jason Cummings scores the early goal, etc. I seem to recall. And but then the great response and Tav and Waggy and, and away we went. And it was a really convincing performance. And and I hope very much it excited the, um, the Rangers fans watching. The story
1: of that day, Mark, my, my partner at the time, was actually doing a skydive, and I never went to watch because it was the first game of the season, and well, I, was a in, I, I was in trouble a wee bit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it was uh, it was um, as I say, it's one of one of those draws you get. It could be tricky. You know, and, and, yeah. and they'd gone there and they'd put on a show. And at the end, they were, I'm saying, strolling in a very respectful way. They were comfortable moving the ball and Kenny and Barry Mackay, etc. So we looked good. And that was a nice start to the season. But there was a, a lot of expectation. And the targets in terms of the board, non-negotiable, were promote, was promotion. Yeah. So that was a non-negotiable. Um, and again, you've got nine players on day one. You've got a lot of players coming in to get together. And they all, you know, we had a similar thing down here at QPR, if I'm honest with you, Scott, this season. You know, they talk about five, six, seven as being too many to bring in. We've had to bring in 14, 15 down here. But It was similar. When, we, when you turn up with nine players and you've just said, Rob, Danny, Jason, Andy, Wes, Tabby, etc., Waggy, go around it. It's so a lot of players came in and all credit to them. They bonded together. They gelled. They worked hard. And I think as they, to, win, to win the season, the uh, championship comfortably. They, they entered the Petrofac and they won it. And obviously what happened in the, in the Cup as well, they deserve a lot of credit.
1: We went on a run of 11 games undefeated to start the season and you yourself matched the great Bill Struess record as winning your first eight games as Rangers manager. How did that feel for you personally?
2: Yeah, it, it was... Take it the right way, Scott. You know, people who know me and David Weir is the same. It's not about us. It's not about the ego side of it. It's about hopefully earning people's respect and doing a good job. I don't want to sit here and sound holier than thou. I'm not saying that. It's just that you want to go about your job. and you want to. I, I, I see managers go out in front of fans and... Kiss the badge, and and you, uh, to me, you only do that in front of Rangers fans when you've won something. Yeah, you know, so great, good run, really good run, very pleasing. Privately, to to match Summer's record of that stature, but we hadn't won anything, you know. And, and I'm I'm very hesitant to go out and come out the tunnel and start clapping. And I think to me, fans look at him and go, he hasn't won anything yet. So yeah. I was very conscious. Davy obviously had his standing, you know, his legend, legendary status at the club will never, I hope, be diminished. But for me, I had to earn the respect to people like yourself. Because I would to do that by the way we played. And if we had a bad day, the work ethic was always evident. And we knew the expectation and demand. But, you know, you've got to earn the respect to people first.
1: Yeah. We were only beaten twice in the league before Christmas. Obviously leading into that game against Hibs at Ibrox, just at the turn of the year, the 4-2 win. What an atmosphere, what a
2: game. What were your memories of that game yourself? I've got to say, that's... Um, that, up to that point, I'd never felt an atmosphere like that. You know, I remember Tav and the boys walked out the tunnel, and I was always walked behind and, and come out. And you could feel the, you could hear the noise. Obviously, the stadium was rocking. But you looked at the players, and there was a difference to that game mm-hmm. that you could see. I'm saying the old, the old cliche: the, the hairs on the back of the neck. But it really was. That was an unbelievable atmosphere, uh, and and everyone knew what it meant. And the support from the fans and the roar when Hulty equalised. And then the second goal from Holty, And then we started playing really well. I and mean, we more than deserved the 4-2. It should be more than that. And uh, the, the noise in the stadium, Scott, that's when you know how big that club is. I said to a few of the boys, I think they'll recall cool, Tab and Rob and Danny, that's what it means to play for Rangers. When you hear that type of noise, David Weir had been, been at the stadium on the great nights, the European nights, and you pick up David Baby Weir and Jim Stewart, these guys, they're all familiar. But I went to all the boys in their first season and went, never forget that because they've, they've had to deliver in front of the fans and they've delivered and enjoy that type of noise and atmosphere.
1: We were under a, a bit of pressure as well going into that game because I think we lost to at the week before it as well, so the players were under a wee bit of pressure going into that game.
2: Yeah, when you say that wee bit of pressure, you're being very polite. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's there was a wee bit of media that week. <laughs> uh, it, was, uh, it was more than a wee bit of pressure, Scott. You know, we were absolutely battered by the by the press losing the Fulker and then... Uh, I think, as I say, the players responded, they trained well that week, and what an atmosphere. You know, as I say, I'm repeating myself now, but when the goals went in, the noise, uh, me as a manager, I just, you you have to enjoy it. You have to enjoy it to be, you know, when you stand on that touchline and all the pressure, if you can't enjoy managing a club like Rangers, don't be in football.
1: It was one of the games where you could see you kind of let go a wee bit when the goals went in, because... You can you can see managers sometimes try and hold back a wee bit because, as you've said, you've no you've no one it and yet you've you've only scored the goal etc. Depends on the context of the game, but you could see yourself letting go a wee bit in that game when the goals went in.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I I've got to be honest. And as I say, people in know me will say I'm I'm being very truthful here. You know, um, I got really angry with a with a reporter when he said to me, "You never showed the passion to you know work with the crowd." That's ball that's nonsense you don't go out and start running down the touchline and giving it all this in front of the fans when you haven't done anything yet you know it's a, it's a massive club with managers as you say you mentioned the truth earlier but Walter Smith and these top top managers they've won things you know and they've they earned the respect and the privilege of the crowd and I hadn't David Weir I, I keep repeating myself David Weir has you know what his name on the, on the Hall of Fame board absolutely right what a what a gentleman and you know people like Frank McParland who you don't know but they believe Champions Leagues at Liverpool and they've, they've been and done it for me I've come a different route in the football I've come to the youth ranks I did a good job at Brentford for five years but I haven't won anything with Rangers mm-hmm. and I've still got you know they've still got the fans have got to get to know me and I've got to earn their trust and respect so yeah I did that game because I knew what it meant but I'm still not going to run down a touchdown I won the middle of the pitch to the on my knees Scott that's not going to happen <laughs>
1: Uh, we would then go in our 11 games undefeated before the defeat to Falkirk, again, kind of with our bogey team at times, uh, leaving us two wins from the title. That took us into the game against Ray where we could have clinched it. What are your memories of that game against Ray Because it was kind of up and down.
2: <laughs> yeah, very much so. And, and you know, it's, it, it, it was just that I knew we were nearly there and I wanted the players to get done and I wanted it as early as possible. So we can obviously concentrate on other things and develop in the squad and you watch how players... I'm always into the psychology side of it of how players react to adversity, how they react to success. Mm-hmm. Equally as important. You know, what do we need to do in the squad? Frank was very, you know, what do we need for next year, etc. So there's a lot of work going on. But you know, at that stage, it was, as you said, it's an up and down game. But I just want to get the job done, really, Scott.
1: The title was clinched in every game at home to dumbarton I, I remember the game well. I, I think it was sheer relief when that final whistle went for us all, because remember, we'd been part of a journey for the third division, <laughs> and and I think just sheer relief was how to sum up in the stands. What, what was your feel? I think it relief as well. But...
2: Yeah, of course, and, and again, you know, I don't want to come across as sounding holy. than that, I don't, it, but I knew what it meant. You know, I'd shown the players a video, um, one we compiled, and, and Jess Glynn singing, Take Me Home, and it was done to, you know, Footage Sky guys helped me out, and in terms of where you guys have been when you got the relegations and and where you were, Rangers turn up at grounds they would never normally turn up at and, you know, how they dealt with it. There's Lee McCulloch, there's Lee Wallace and young Barry Mackay going in and we showed it to the music because we we were saying we need to get back. Rangers, a club, has absolutely got to be at the top of Scotch football and it was a journey and taking me home was a a poignant message. So I knew what it meant and the job was done against Dunbar and it wasn't a good performance and it wasn't one where you want to go in there and entertain the crowds, but... It was nervy, but the job was done and, and that was all. Uh, so much credit to the players. They've worked so hard that season in in difficult situations. really, Scott.
1: Yeah. We then had, I think it was four games left. We drew two and we lost two um, leading into the Scottish Cup final, which we'll all touch on later. We yeah. obviously had a three-week break
2: as well before that final. What was your thoughts on the end of that season, the, the final four games? Oh, Awful in terms of, it was like the semi-final. Um, I've got to touch on that first because it's before yeah. the you're talking about. And going into the game, there was never any, you know, you look at the squad, how are they, how are they going to, you know, the media build up to that game and what it meant for the club and everything, you're well. But how, how does young Don Ball, young and you know, Rob, Tav, how does Holty and how does Andy Halliday react, he's such a passionate Rangers man? You know, how are they going to deal with all of this? And there was no nerves, there was no fear. They couldn't wait. In the hotel at Mar Hall, they couldn't wait for the game. That was fantastic. And they delivered yeah. the performance you mentioned earlier. Then you have this end of season, job done. And also we had injury, Don Ball suspended. And it was one of those games that I could sense the energy drain. that like They'd worked so hard to get over the line and get the title won. And then they beat Celtic. And you obviously wish that had been the final. Yeah. you know. But, but beat Celtic, it's almost like job done. And it wasn't a going on the beach mentality. It was just we were running out of players. Uh, the loan players, Tom Walsh's, and these type Jordans that we couldn't use, and when I named the five subs, it wasn't me being a, like, being an ask for statement, it was just, that's all we had,
1: yeah. and
2: the three week break, and it's the same for Hibbs, so there's no excuses, but same for Hibbs, but I-, I couldn't find a game, the boys were just trying to kill the time, we flew them down to, to Tottenham here, good friends of mine at Spurs, they really helped us out, we played the 23s, great surface, but it was a, it was just a dead time, Scott, and yeah. uh, you know, I, I looked at it with David, what could we have done better? Maybe we could have done it completely different, given the boys a load of time off. I don't know. Yeah. But um, it was a really difficult time.
1: We won the Petrofac Petr- Cup finally. And as a fan base, thanks to yourself and David Weir and the, and the players, we could see that we, we watched our club win every single trophy that's available in Scottish football. We won it in a 4-0 win against Peterhead in front of 48,000 fans. What are your memories of that day and, the, and obviously the attendance, given the fact that, no disrespect to the competition, but it is a Challenge Cup. It's not really an important cup for the Rangers in terms of the grand scheme of things. But
2: we're still in it. We're still going to win it. Exactly right. And that's it. You're in the competition, so you respect it, absolutely. And you've got to go and win it. Because had Rangers lost in that tournament, Scott, you can imagine the media flack. Yeah. So uh, I'm being polite. So, <laughs> you know, uh, But all I remember is the stadium being blue. Yeah, that's all I remember. It was magnificent and we knew from Robin and David, the, the top security guys, that you know it was a it basically 99.9% Rangers, yeah. but it was magnificent. You walk out to a blue stadium, it's not often a cup final of any nature, it's normally half and half and split or 60-40, but to walk out to a stadium that was nearly entirely Rangers, yeah. what what an effort by the fans, what a response by the fans. And also, I'm so glad it was a convincing, you know, Tav's goal from 30-odd yards, wow. it was... But uh, it was a performance that showed the, you know, not all full respect to Peterhead, but Rangers should win the game. And they did it in a really convincing manner. So, delighted for the players, delighted for the fans. And as you say, it was a silver where we had to go and win. And they did it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, the Scottish Cup run that year, we've touched upon a wee bit. The one game as well that sticks out for me. I think it was the final at home in Dundee. Harry Dundee. Forrester scored in, in 16 settings. The noise at Ibrox that day as well was off the of scale for, as a fan and, and I've been to Champions League nights and I've been to UEFA yeah, Cup nights and stuff and all final games but that was fantastic that day as well
2: It was and if you remember you know there, that was the first time I think we played a Premier League team wasn't it? Yeah
1: um,
2: So people said how they're going to fare up and there was some I seem to remember I don't remember who it was but there was some criticism that this should show us the golf to the Premier League and Rangers you know winning the championship was irrelevant uh, you know the golfing class to the next level would be highlighted and Harry scored and I am sure their manager looked over, he must have thought, just keep them quiet for the first hour yeah. and go, and of course we scored, they're about to open up and then we just then we just let you know, Lee Wallace running through, beating yeah. tackles, sliding it in. Holte, they got to byline and cross it in Holty's brave head, I think it was. Yeah. You know, so I thought we had a really good display that day. We looked good, we moved the ball and it was a really convincing 4-0, but it could have been a lot more. Yeah. Um and that's full of respect to Dundee, by the way. But that was a really good day. And as you say, the noise was unbelievable. And again, enjoy it. You've got to enjoy it because you're playing in the theatre of football. And it's a privilege.
1: Yeah. But then we on to the semi-final. And we have mentioned it quite a bit so far. But a game against Celtic. What was it like when you walked out seeing and hearing that Rangers end, obviously? Because before you had 99.9% of Hamden was Rangers fans. Obviously, this time it's more traditional. It's half and half. But I was in the Rangers end that day and again, I couldn't, maybe it's just me, I couldn't hear the Celtic fans because the Rangers fans were in full voice.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And listen, I've got to get battered by the Celtic fans for, for saying it. You know, you're right, you walk out and all I remember is the blue flags. So I remember the core section with the blue flags. I remember the of smoke flares going off above them to the right hand side. And then either side of it was the, the the noise coming out, you know, and it was just unbelievable. And uh, I'll jump ahead. There's the, the one thing that sticks in my mind, Scott, if you look at the, the penalty shootout, you know, the one, when uh, the penalty before the miss, you hear the Rangers fans sing. The Rangers fans start, and I, I, I turn around and look, so I could hear it. And then when Rogic is, is coming up for his penalty, you hear the singing, and it's all coming from the blue end. Right. And that was it. You almost knew he was going to miss it. Not trying to sound like, you know, seeing ahead but you could—you just sense the noise in the Rangers fans was magnificent yeah. and uh, obviously what happened happened and, and it was a great day I mean you you saw my reaction my first reaction was to go and jump with Jim Stewart and David Weir because they're Rangers through and through and I knew what it meant to them so that was the first reaction for me and then of course away went in the crowd
1: I've said to David Weir when we were talking to David that that first half performance that day I, I honestly don't think I've seen a Rangers team dominate Celtic as much as that as what we did that day it was scary to watch, and to be honest, getting in, I, I, I thought we were unlucky and you know, little
2: the further ahead. I did, not and you know uh, that's a frustration. You know, we obviously talked further down, but that's a frustration because you saw young players developing and getting better, and that day it went right, Scott. But you know, if Patrick Roberts scores, yeah, you know, a really good first half performance is is sort of wiped out a little bit and frustration, everything else. So, you know, the, the luck was our way, but they were developing. You only learn by your mistakes, but. So young Don Ball, I've got QPR with me now, but for a young guy to play, don't forget being a centre half before that yeah. to play with that authority and composure with Andy and Holty was superb. Kenny ran up top, Barry the Lee Wallace, Maraudin Tav, etc. Two centre halves to see young players do that against Celtic, who were a squad and our squad packed with international players, you know, in every position they had international players. So it was a, a tremendous effort on the on the players' part. What were your nerves like during the game and in particular the penalties? Um, I don't normally suffer with nerves, I'll be honest with you. I don't normally because you know, I've been in different jobs and responsibilities and, and had, a, had a fair bit of pressure, hence the lack of lack of, <laughs> uh, of barnet, shall we say. But um, no, that was one game because all the time, as we dragged on and we played well and had we been the two goals ahead, you know, we had some good chances and we didn't quite take those chances and they were, they were a very good team. They're a very good team, and of course you go into extra time in the lottery. So you, then, then you say, that's a, that's the most nervous I've been on a touchline because I knew what it meant. You know, yeah. my, my wife came out, and I said to my wife before, you know, the night before, this is so massive for the blue side of Glasgow, and she didn't. She she knows football, but well, doesn't really know football. And she, what do you mean it's an old firm game, yeah? But what it means, where the club have been in the last couple of years or so, and and to be here now. If we could deliver a good performance, all I wanted really, Scott, was a good performance. Of course I want to win the game. But I wanted the fans to go, no, nah, we've really got, we've gone toe-to-toe toe with Celtic. And as you say, they, they more than did that.
1: Yeah. The, when the winning penalty went in, you, you kind of touched on it a wee bit there. You went to uh, Jim Stewart and, and David Weir. But I remember, I think it was Wicon was in crutches at the time, and I remember Wicon throwing his crutches and running and thinking, oh no, <laughs> you know what I mean, running. But the place just went... Bedlam, absolute yeah. bedlam. What are your what are your thoughts or your memories of that when that penalty
2: went in? Yeah, you know, there's people there. You know, Stephen Walker, the physio. You know, and the club means so much. Dave Lavery, Disco, the best masseur in the country by none. You know what what a gentleman Dave Lavery is, uh, and and what you know what the club means to Dave and the level of professionalism that he provides day in day out. What it means to those guys. So you know, you look at him and his face and. As I say, Stevie Walker and so many people running about, but Big Jim and, and Davey, we are, you know, they're Rangers through and through. And to see, to, to say that reaction afterwards. but also, and I'm, I'm saying it, Rangers fans might not like it, but I'd been appalled by the level of press abuse towards Ronnie Diala, you know, building up to it, you mm-hmm. know. And, and you see it, and as a manager, I'm sure you're the same in your industry, whatever you're in, Scott. You realise that someone, you know, for your good day, it's someone's bad day. And when I, when I landed at Glasgow Airport, when I first got the job, one really good reporter said, there's always going to be a good cop and a bad cop in Glasgow. There can't be two of the same. Yeah. He said, you're going to be a good cop. He said, because Ronnie, Ronnie could win 6-0 at the weekend and they'll say, why wasn't it 8? That's what he said to me. Mm-hmm. So, and he's right. You know, first year, I was a good cop. Uh, but I just thought some of the level of abuse, level that Ronnie died, was, was almost legal in my mind. Of course, second year, Brendan arrives, he becomes a good cop, I become a bad cop. And, and you learn the lesson you know, and it's it's really important. It's, it's part of Glasgow and the media, which makes it unique. But certain boundaries are often crossed, which is where the the media lets itself down north of the border. Yeah,
1: the final uh, obviously we, we, we played Hibs. Um, I touched on it earlier with a three week break before it. Hibs obviously had the playoffs to play. They, they went out, I think, at the quarter or the semi final stage, whatever it was, to to Falkirk. What was your thoughts on the three-week break? You've obviously touched a wee bit on it, but it ultimately did hinder us getting into the final, I think.
2: It does, yeah, because it's a it's a time when you're waiting. Obviously, the boys are waiting there, but um, you look at the squad. You know, If people actually looked into it and looked at the squad and available and the substitutes, and you've touched on players who were injured or suspended, big players were injured and suspended, and we couldn't use them. And it's no excuse because the Hibs had their programme, so please don't take it as an excuse. But I knew from Rangers' perspective they were just we were running on empty. People at like Andy Halliday, outstanding. You know, Tav had played every minute of every game and the big semi-final, the, the Hibs game you touched upon, the Dundee and playing for Rangers. This is the first year for many of those guys. And by the end of a long season, Scott, they were just exhausted. Um, and I knew it. I could sense it. David knew it. We, you know, you'd, you're trying to it's a Scottish Cup final boys you might never play anything, come on and everything all the normal stuff you say, but you could sense there's a lack of energy. Really was. And when Andy scores and we go we go up and I'm thinking, I don't know how we've done because you can see even his reaction to the goal
1: yeah. was
2: a tired one. And um, I thought we'd done enough and then we let ourselves down the last few minutes, obviously. Do you have any regrets looking back at the game? No, people talk about set pieces. We've done our job. We have rehearsed it, but again, whether it's fatigue, at the end of the day, we conceded two late goals, and for Rangers, you can't do that, especially not in the cup final. So you look back. We prepared well. We did. I, I did. We did what I think was right. Do you look back? We absolutely reviewed it to death, Scott. You know mm. what should be because you hope very much it happens again in terms of getting to the cup final. How did you deal with the three weeks? Should we have given them? a week off, should we have trained for a few days and then given them like eight, five days off. Who knows? You know, hindsight's yeah. a marvellous thing. But we, we did what we thought was best, got them down, a nice hotel, just played against Spurs, just a magnificent training ground. You know, it was a nice game, good weather and trying to keep them all together. But you could just sense there was no real zip there. And, and that feeling you, you felt in the hotel before the Celtic game, it wasn't there for the final. This is a Scottish Cup final. You know, you've know, you got to be absolutely busting the gut for it. It wasn't a lack of effort, it was just as a lack of energy. They were running empty. Yeah.
1: What are your
2: thoughts in the scenes after the game? Uh, yeah, well, listen, what can I say? I thought it was... Uh, I'm I- I talking to someone yesterday or earlier this week, Scott, about the game. They asked me <laughs> about the current situation. They asked me about, you know... And I'm saying it's how, it's how Scottish football is, is looked at, is viewed from away from Scotland. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't help in terms of attracting investment and whatever else. I'm not saying who's right or wrong. I'm just saying that it doesn't help. And when you see those scenes for the Scottish Cup final and horses having to come on and players like Lee Wallace and Wes getting assaulted, outrageous, yeah. outrageous. And the damage it does, you know, and I've got to say, I'm going to say it. And again, you're going to get abused for it. But I, I saw what happened and I thought the Rangers fans were, were conducting themselves really well and you know it, it's just what what happened was a, a real a real tragedy for the game in scotland
1: my, my thoughts on that was and people said oh they hadn't won the cup in 100 or whatever it was that's that's fine however go back to the semi-final and where rangers fans had been and where rangers as a club had been and that sense of joy when the final well when the, when Rogic skied the penalty. We, we didn't conduct ourselves in that way and I think it shows you that the level of the clubs for me and you, you won't say that, but it shows you Rangers are a proper football club. Rangers are used yeah. to winning, others aren't they?
2: Yeah, listen, I've got to be careful what I say for obvious yeah. reasons, but you know where my loyalties lie uh, and that's it. And listen, anyone who supports Hibs or, you know, they're, they're going to come out and of course they are. That's football and that's why we love the game in terms of opinion, but it can't be right, those scenes. And I'm, and I'm sure the genuine Hibs supporters wouldn't want to see those scenes. Yeah. It, it wasn't it's not about hundred years, as a matter if it's one year. That's not how football can be viewed anywhere. Yeah. And let alone yeah. as I say Scotland in terms of I touched on earlier disparity of money, Scott. You're trying to attract fresh investment. The Scottish game needs more money. Yeah. And those type of scenes are not going to help.
1: Yeah. We moved on to season 16-17 We brought in players like Nico Cranchard, as you said, Joey Barton, Joe Garner, Clint Hill, Philip Endros. Where are you happy with that? The transfer activity that year?
2: Listen, I, I'm, I'm going to speak really bluntly here. If you look at the papers, some of the papers were really critical weeks later. They were doing the best transfer business in the Premier League, Rangers by far. Yeah. 43,000 season tickets were sold. Uh, so, let's be blunt. Did Joey Barton work out at Rangers? No, it didn't. It didn't work out. Was our due diligence done? Yes. Is Joey a good player? Absolutely. Championship team of the year offered to stay at Burnley, Premier League, etc. So no doubt about his it. quality, it didn't work out. Now, as a manager, you've got to try and get 7 out of 10 right. Simple as that. You're trying to get 7 out of 10 right. Um, and you look at the likes of Tavern, and Wes, and Waggy, and Rob, and Danny, and Holty and all these players. So you say, no, really good first year. Probably too good. You look at our record at Brentford. You know, Tarkowski, Gray, Hotter, Pritchard, Dallas, etc., etc. Judgy, very, very good. Um, But Joe Barton didn't work out. Nico, yes, I knew he was a stone, a bit overweight. Went to New York to get him. But again, the most talented technician. One of the very best Rangers we'll have ever seen. We could never afford Nico anywhere near his prime, Scott. No disrespect to Rangers. But where we were financially, you couldn't. So a free transfer and a low wage. But I I wanted the young players to see a truly world-class player in training. You know, is and he, he was at when he when he played. Obviously, what a, what a player, what a gentleman he is. But he, we knew he was way past his best. You're not going to get Clint Hills. You know, Joe Garner was the only one. So I wanted, I wanted a real. I knew Joe in the championship was a real power. he was a physical presence yeah. that you know could really unsettle defenders. And I just wanted to someone there who could do that and allow ball players to play. Yeah. Now you know, there was a game when he got. Cheered off at iBox, the whole stadium gave him a standard if you remember. Yep. But Joe's a talented player. No doubt about that. He's working in the championship. But it didn't, you know, as I say, what was it the best business in terms of our activity that summer? No, we wanted we could have done better. Mm-hmm. But again, we didn't spend, you know, I think 1.1 on Joe, and that was it. Yeah, we got yeah. they got most of that, they got nearly all of that back. So net net, we're we're well in credit, but frustrated. And my criticism to myself, Scott, was that. I I listen to people, not the Davies of the world, but you listen to people and you read it about what you're going to face. You have to beat Celtic. And if you remember, I said year three. You can't come out. I can't come out in front of season ticket holders and say, we're not going to beat Celtic this year. But I knew the disparity, the budget was still way too big. Multiples of our budget. So therefore, I just wanted year three. But again, you know, I, I touched on that going for 55 when you walk out in that first game. It sends a wrong message to you the supporters I get you want to win it of course you all want to win it and you want to give a really good performance but I knew the disparity was too big and I, I went for seniority a bit of muscle a bit of uh, presence on the pitch as opposed to maybe going with the young hungry don Ball, Gedeon Zalalem, Holti type players those type of ball players who could have maybe stood up and, and, and played in a more fearless manner
1: yeah. We started the season, you touched on there with the going for 55 fan display thing. We started the season at home at Hamilton on a 1-1 draw. Watching that game, I think the sense of the occasion maybe got to the fans, maybe got to the players a wee bit, and ultimately we obviously dropped points. However, we've dropped points at the start of the season before, and we've only won the league and stuff like that. What was your thoughts and memories of that day, and your overall emotion about that day?
2: Uh probably well documented now, but I always used to get the stadium early. I'd get there before nine in the morning, I'd get a cup of coffee, say hello to the people at the ground, uh, go and check the pitch, and then i go to the office and do some work, read the papers, and then the staff arrive, etc. And I walked out and I saw it, and I had no prior knowledge of that. Now, if you put up in a stadium, listen, you Rangers through and through, tell me if I'm wrong. If you put up Rangers are back, fantastic. If you put back where we belong fantastic if you put ranges in the top flight fantastic but when you say going for 55 you like the blue touch paper box that's what i think you do uh, and i knew look at our spend we hadn't spent any money and you're saying look we're still the gap is still too big you know if you look at the championship down here now there's a reason that west brom leads fulham forest etc are at the top there's a reason for that you know because of the you know, they've got you know, the, the powerhouses where they've been, parachute payments, but money, it comes down to money. And we they had players on, you know, 25, 30, 35, and we've got players on two, three, four, five, this type of thing. So, you know, it was a, the gap was too big and I knew it. So when I, when I saw that first day, I knew the pennant, I knew the pitch, I knew the passion, the crowd, it's fantastic. But I'm thinking we've sent the wrong message out. And if you look at my demeanour, It wasn't negative, it was I knew that I knew personally that's the wrong message to give to you guys as the loyal supporters.
1: Again, your song for yourself was, we were going for 55 when we got promoted, if you remember. I think in regards to the fans, we always will be until the day we actually clinch it and then it starts going for 56. So I think for the fans, no matter the message from the, the club that day, it'll always be that. But
2: I get what you're saying for yourself. No, 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 it's not myself, Curtin It's not myself, Scott. I, I didn't want that. I, my job was to earn the respect of the fans. David and Jim, obviously. I'm repeating myself now. But we want the, the team to display and make sure you as supporters enjoy watching the team play at iBots. There's a history about the club, the way they play. And I wanted very much us to fulfil that, that ambition, that desire, or that philosophy of Rangers. And, and I knew that we weren't ready to go and beat Celtic yet. And we were only, everyone said, you're only going to be compared to Celtic. Now, it coincided with them having the best year in their history. Yeah. And, you know, we were, we were, we were second uh, early in the new year, but we were 20 points behind them. And all the only thing you read about, the amount of abuse, good cop, bad cop, the only thing you heard about was the gap, the gap, the gap, the gap. And I'm saying, well, it's, it's next year. Never ever panicked about that. Never Davy the same, Frank the same. Never worried about that. We knew it building targets, but people panic because they're a range of supporters. And you've got to think sometimes take that fanaticism away and say, well, we're building, you know, their budget is this, our budget is that. Okay, no problem, you know, investment. And I'm delighted, listen, I'm delighted for Stephen. I think he's done a fantastic job. And I hope very much he brings the club back to the chopper of the uh, Scottish football. But it's all about investment. And he'll need to keep being supported. Because that's the only way you close the gap.
1: We won two our opening seven league games. Did you feel pressure building even that early in the season?
2: Yeah. Yeah, because of the media. You know, and again, it's a great learning curve. But, you know, there's 20 pages every day almost devoted to Rangers and Celtic. There's a radio shows, there's a Sunday papers and everything else. It's unlike, when you come out of it, I don't want to digress too much here, Scott, but when you come out of it, you go, what was that all about? Yeah, Man, nuts. Absolutely nuts. It. 24-7. Okay, you, you, you live in it. So, <laughs> and i am never being disrespectful, but I'll give an example. I was at Nottingham Forest, and we had a, um, having a pre-match meal, sitting you know, at the ground, and we had, a, we had a decent game cut. There's a 12.30 kickoff on the TV, at the same time as there was an old firm game. Forget the date. It was a 12 or one or two? And we had all the TV screens in the players' lounge and, and whatever else. So I'm in my office. I come out to get the old firm and they're watching, I don't know, pick a game. They're watching Sheffield Wednesday versus Portsmouth, wherever it was, doesn't matter. And I'm saying the old firm's on, they're going, what? No, no recognition of it. I said, The old get the old firm game on. What's the matter with you? But there was no no nothing. Oh, was, yeah. was it old firm? oh fair enough. They didn't didn't get it. And you, you realise, outside of the fishbowl of Glasgow, that game had been built up for days and days and a massive atmosphere and everything, what it means to the city. But outside of it, no mention. Yeah. And, and that was what I'm saying. So the seven games, don't match your question, you read the, you're read, you just drowning every day in the media. And you're learning this and not drowning in a bad way. You're, just, you're getting battered by the media. Yeah. And you knew it. And, but then I, I'm, I'm watching the reaction of the players. David, we no problem. So is a rock. Frank, Jim the same. But how does how does the young Don Ball react? Or how does Barry Mackay react? Or, you know, Kenny and Lee, no problem there, established figures. And that's why I went for the, maybe rightly or wrongly, the experience of a Clint and a Nico and, and Joey, of course, because they, they've they dealt with that before, you know, and, and some of the young guys could be really intimidated by that.
1: We were, again, we don't really want to touch on it too much, but we were beating five-one at Parkhead, and I first told him getting back in the top flight. Wasn't he helped by the aftermath? Obviously, in the instant with Joey coming out in the negative press. You've spoke there yourself with media attention. How just how much did that intensify, given what happened during that game and then after the game?
2: Listen, touch on the game. No, I got no problem. You want an interview, Scott? No problem. Ask ask your questions. But I didn't want that. I didn't like that side of it. And I'm not going to. I'm not going to get involved in a spat with any individual. Um, You've got to show show dignity and respect. I think so. I'm not going to get drawn into that, but that was very, very unhelpful because yeah. you don't want to draw unnecessary attention. We were always going to be the underdogs going into that game. And again, like the cup final, the semi final, I wanted to make sure we gave a good performance that the fans could be proud of. That was it because you're going into the Parkhead Cauldron, same as coming to box for them. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure we delivered a good performance that the fans could be, as I say, could be proud of. Um, and that didn't that didn't help us at all. And then you go to the game, and again, I was asked by some, some of your colleagues recently, and a few journalists have asked me the question, why did you do this? Why did you do that? Well, we were, you know, if you remember, we go 2-0 down. First 20 minutes, it was okay. Um, then we go 2-0 down. Joey Garner gets a goal just before halftime. It's 2-1. Then the 15 minutes after halftime, if you watch the game back, we were on top. Barry Mackay slides the ball just wide of the far post. Yep. And that was a run for me because I thought that goes in at 2 all with 25-30 to go, we we're right in this. Dembele scores and, and they go 3-1 uh, up. So I look at the clock and we're in the game. We're in the game. So I'll ask you the question I asked one of your colleagues recently. 3-1 uh, down, but we we're right in the game. And I'm thinking, if we score now, next 10 minutes or so, 3-2, this crowd's going quiet and nervous. And the Rangers fans are get louder. And we might just nick something here. Mm-hmm. I had Harry Forrester on the bench or I had Clint Hill. Uh, one substitution. So, I went, right, let's go for the second goal. Let's get 3-2 and see where we are. We are right in the game. Made the sub, Harry Forrester, within a minute, Sunderos gets sent off, if you remember. Yep. And then walked in and pulled his hamstring. Yep. So we, we go from being in the game, positive attacking substitute substitution, rather to being down to nine men with a back three of Lee Wallace, Jerry Barton and Tav. And then they win the game 5-1. And obviously, shocking result we get battered quite rightly but that was the thinking behind it and I've said to people would you have sent on Clint Hill and just went gone for the 3-1 defeat no I wouldn't do that so I'm asking what are you what are what you telling me then what would you have done in my situation yeah. so that was the thinking behind it the, the result hurt us probably had long-lasting implications certain journalists fed off of that you know and, and did what they had to do that's fine that's that's Scottish football but it was a it was a damaging result but that was the thinking behind it anyway
1: again I think on, on that substitution from a Rangers point, fans point of view when we have a manager who's maybe negative and would make the Clint Hill substitution that like you're talking about there they would get criticised for not going and trying to get the goal back yourself yeah. puts the attacking substitution on you get criticised because ultimately how, how are you supposed to know that Phil Senderos is going to be sent off and Rob Keelan is going to pull his hamstring? it's alright in hindsight but in the moment in the heat of the moment it. it you're the man who made the decisions, do you know what
2: I mean? Yeah, and listen, you're talking a lot of sense now, Scott, but at the time, you understand the heat and the passion and the tension. You get that. That's what we get paid for as managers yeah. and coaches. But, you know, um, Clint Hill had a, an injury. He hadn't had enough training, so I, I wanted to start with Clint, but I run the risk of losing him for several weeks, so that's why he didn't start the game. Um, Philip was just, basically, again, was way past his best. He'll, he'll, appreciate, he'll agree with me in that respect, and the game was too much, and a rash tackle, and and, and what happened, happened. But when you've got an attack in substitution on the bench, one left, you can't, you can't anticipate Rob Keenan pulling his hamstring. Yeah, know. exactly. So, but you, you pay the price, and if, it, if we'd gone 3-2 and we'd got something out of the game, you, you get hero status. If you don't, you look an absolute mug, and unfortunately, it's the latter. We went in
1: the next seven games unbeaten until a 2-0 defeated at Tynecastle. That was us roughly halfway through that season. Where would you assess or how did you assess at that point and reflect? Yeah, I, was,
2: on I, it? I was looking at how boys so just jumping ahead a little bit, the, the directive from the board was uh, non-negotiable European football in year three. That was a target. So the same as in year one non-negotiable promotion from the championship, it was non-negotiable now as a as a management a manager and management team If we can't get in the top three in Scotland in year three at Glasgow Rangers, we don't deserve to have the job. So I've got no problem with that. So after the the run and the two defeat at at, at Hearts, we were second in the table. So we've been promoted. Yes, we are Rangers, but we're not the Rangers of 2010-2011. We're the Rangers of 2016. So we're second in the table. Boys are learning. We're learning that some are good enough, some are not going to be good enough, some are going to develop and take time. Who's coming through? Jordan Rossiter, you know, get, coming back from fitness or getting fitness, etc. So you're gauging the squad, but we're second in the table to get the gap to Celtic. They're having their stellar year. Now, I digress, but relevant, Scott. I went in the press one day and I said to them, they will regress to the norm. And they went, what do you mean by that? I said, well, you have a striker who scores 15, 15, 15, 30, 15, 15. Everyone has their stellar year. So I said, right now, they're having their stellar year. I said, normally, and I went to a very experienced journal. What would they normally lose by now? He went, normally lost three games, four games. I went, to so take 12, take 10 points off. He went, oh. I went, would they have lost one to Rangers? He went, yeah. I said, so there you go. There's had three more points on the Rangers. I said, so the gap really would normally be five to eight. I said, if we're five, eight points behind Celtic, having been promoted, I'll take it. I said, but right now, would you agree they're having a stellar year? He went, Absolutely. He went out the room, Scott, and caned me for losing my marbles. Apparently, Warburton trying to bamboozle all the figures. That's a fact. And the following year, look how many games Celtic lost and drew, mm-hmm. and they regressed back to not regressed. It wasn't a negative. It was going back to the normal.
0: Mm-hmm. Now
2: you know you think of the I put the striker's name at Swansea that stellar year. Who Arsenal he bought for thirty odd million pounds and didn't go in the end, but you know he went straight back to his normal goal scoring. Is that not true? Yeah, I think you're right. It was Mitchell, Wasn't uh, he had a fantastic year? Remember? And then he just, yeah. I'm saying regress, That sounds derogatory, but he went back, and and that was a point. So we were second after defeat. We learned about the squad. Some young guys were developing. Some of kids, guys coming to the academy. We're getting a taste. You know, Ryan Hardy and Walshy, and these guys are getting more of a taste and loans. So I was I was okay. I wasn't worried about Celtic because I knew where they were. And when we had that game at Ibox, one we lost two one. Two one. We played well. Yeah. We played well, and even at the death there, Kenny and Harry Forrest, if you remember, both missed massive chances. And I'm thinking, we're closing the gap here. The budgetary gap, financial gap, is still very, very wide, but we're getting closer here now. And I was, I was, I was comfortable with that, and, and I watched crowd were good, and we went one up with Kenny, et cetera, and they got the two goals. I mean, we missed those two big chances, but although you're gutted at losing the game, old firm game especially, you're thinking, no, we're closing, and then what happened happened.
1: Yeah. We won, after that, we won five out of nine games before you departed the club on the 10th of February in controversial circumstances. What are your thoughts now looking back on your departure and the club in general?
2: Listen, um, I hope, Scott, uh, it's fair to say you've never heard me criticise Rangers, ever. Never will. Um, You've heard me say many times it's a privilege. Absolutely repeat that. What a privilege to manage the club. Um, And no one in their right mind ever would walk out on that club. You've got the picture behind you. No one walks out on that club. Um, A a fantastic experience with great people, some of whom are my best friends now, you know, guys I play golf with and are are, are genuine friends, gentlemen, proper. Rangers through and through, but proper gentlemen. You know, they really are what the club means and they're good friends, good loyal people. So that's great. But again, what happened wasn't Rangers in my mind. You know, it's all about respect and dignity and that and uh, um, it, nothing that you guys don't already know. But, um, you know, you sit on your sofa and you see Sky Sports come along at, at 10 to 9 that you've resigned from Rangers. So, that's the first I heard of it. And, um, you know, it's, it's old news now and it's not, it's about Stephen, it's about the squad now. But, for me, that was a massive frustration because it was a complete shock to me and um, very, very frustrated because you're leaving, you're leaving such a club and it's very, very rare in anyone's CB to manage a club of that stature. So, so um, as I say, frustrated at what happened, and how it was done. But you have to move on and, and um, as I say, live your life.
1: Do you feel then, you've kind of touched on it and you kind of answered it, but do you feel you, you and yourself and David were really, really unlucky to come up against Celtic in that particular season, given the fact they went unbeaten? Brendan Rodgers had obviously just taken over. And they, they really were, they were unstoppable that year.
2: Yeah, and listen, uh, Brendan's a friend and look at the job he's doing at Leicester City. Look at the job he did at Liverpool, you know, and he's a, he's a top-class Premier League manager. Uh, and obviously, you know, serious investment by by Peter yeah. Lawwell and Celtic to get him into to Celtic. And I think they did that because they saw what we were doing yeah. in that new final. Uh, and they knew. And they tried to transfer business in terms of the name. So I think we probably shut ourselves in the foot a little bit by, by giving Celtic a real jolt. But, um, but again... You know, there's many things that frustrate you, Scott. You know, there's people in the press. The same the Green Side of Glasgow press would come out and say Dembele cost four hundred grand, and why did you go and get Joe Garner? Dembele was, probably was four hundred grand, but on a massive wage and a big sell-on and everything else. And fans would never get told that. Yeah. But you know, you know, Brendan would say that's how the game works. If you're getting, if an agent comes to you with a top-class talent for 400 grand, UA for compensation, you know there's a massive agency fee and a massive basic wage involved. Way out of our league. So the players like that, obviously Tierney, top toe, they were way out of our league. And that was a, that was a big frustration for me, Scott. So as I say, it's, if you get the, the, the truth comes out, it's, it's just a frustration. You, you don't want to leave a club like Rangers and, and not get your point across. But then again, you don't want to sound like a bitter and twisted old man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. What is your 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 thoughts now? You've kind of touched on it a wee bit, but what is your thoughts now and and the job that Stephen Gerrard's done, and getting us to where
2: we are? Yeah, obviously, a world class player, Stephen. You know, and I've had the pleasure of meeting him a couple of occasions to come across him at Melwood and at St George's Park. But he, he comes off the back of a, a world class playing career, one of the very best world class players. Um, and then takes over a, a job of that stature. So, yes, he's worked with some great managers and mentors, and he's, he's recruited his staff, Guy McAllister, Michael Beale, et cetera. But he's done a really good job, and he's a good job. He, yes, he will command the respect for who he is, but he'll be the first to tell you that that wears off and you have to do the job. Uh, and he's doing a great job, and he's got the backing of the club and the players, and I hope very much that they continue to support him. Because you have to. What you can't do is go, oh, that's okay. We'll take our foot off the gas now. He'll need investment. And it's not enough to say we're getting close to Celtic. They have to be more than Celtic. That's what they have to do. You know, and that's what Rangers in the past have done. And I know they had problems. I'm not asking. I'm not talking about a casino mentality, Scott, or reckless approach. But Stephen needs to have that backing to give him the chance. Because they want to, he wants to take the club back to the top, the top of Scottish football back in the Champions League, and that's what that club deserves. But he, he all, it will all come down to financial backing.
1: How are you how hard are you finding it in the current day, in the present times, you know, with, the, with the, the pandemic that's going on to obviously do your job as QPR manager?
2: It's difficult because um, we were on a good run. Yeah, but like every club, you know, you, you suddenly stop on March the thirteenth, we were due to play Barnes with a following Saturday, a uh, following day rather, and it stops Scott. And then you've got guys who are used to Team interaction every day, great support, you know, medically, analytically. Now they're at home and they're going on a 5k run and doing their press ups in their garage and this type of thing. So it was very very difficult. The staff then have to respond. So it's virtual and the programs being sent out, speaking to the players, and every club's doing the same. Ranges, I'm sure, are the same. But it's it's difficult because we knew that there'd be a sudden um, once we get a green light to do something, there'd be a rush to do it. But we never knew. No one knew how long the gap would go for. So from March the 13th through until May the 13th, you know, two months obviously, you, you look at it going, that could have been three or four months, it could have been one month, we didn't know. So now we look, it looks like we're going back on May the 25th to uh, small group training, which means groups of four or five, non-contact, no buildings, etc., cetera, no tackling, none of that. So that's the start of it. And now there's a big meeting I've got this afternoon with all the, all the championship managers and the LMAs at EFL. But again, to try and finalise it. Now, we couldn't, this could move very quickly. So now it's that process of, of get, making sure you're getting ready. You've got nine games to go. But you've got to try and allay the fears of the players, Scott. You know, medically, it's got to be right for yeah. everyone. And you know that. You know, everyone wants football back. We all want a packed tie box and the old firm. We all want that. But it's got to be right for every player, every staff member, every fan, et cetera. Obviously, all the support staff, police, doctors, et cetera. So I think we're 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 moving quickly now. Hopefully the results in London, for example, the R numbers, they call it, is below 0.4, which is fantastic. So you hope that progress is is continued. But it's just the uncertainty still exists as to yeah. how we make that move, Scott, back to to contact training. And then the obvious one is how clubs survive when you have no pants for potatoes coming to the door. Yeah. You know, but right now, Rangers be having the season tickets being sold, and all the clubs, season tickets sold, money coming in, et cetera, to see you through the summer period. But what's happening now? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a really difficult time still, but at least we're starting to see some green shoots of recovery shoots, I say blue shoots, but shoots of recovery. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you get where we are. So hopefully we can start to see progress I still think we're going to be several months away from fan interaction and, and, and packed houses at the grounds again
1: yeah thanks very much Mark for your time and for your efforts in completing what we call the journey um, it was, at times it was a privilege to watch the Rangers team play and sadly it didn't work out the way, the way that we all hoped but stay safe and thanks very much again
2: pleasure talking to you Scott all the best hope the club does really well thank you